Welcome to End of the Age. Here we are with Dr. Jim Littles. We couldn't be more excited to talk with the author of a great spiritual formation book and workbook, More Like Him. We're going to discuss whether Christians, or whether, excuse me, whether Christmas is a pagan holiday, how prophecy and Christmas are connected, and the busyness of this time of year. But before we do, I want to remind you to go to endtime.com slash deals. We have a number of special deals that are only available through the end of the month. And there are limited quantities there. Uh, one of my favorites there is that you can get five months free of End of the Age Plus by going to endtime.com slash deals. And that's when you pay for the uh, whole year uh, up front. So that's, a, that's an amazing deal that only comes around about once a year. So be sure to go to endtime.com slash deals. There's a number of other um, deals available there for books and DVDs and Jerusalem Prophecy College enrollment and so on. So be sure to check that out. Now, Dr. Jim Littles, welcome to End of the Age. It's our honor to have you with us today. Now, your bio is long. Uh, you've pastored. You've taught undergraduate and graduate students for 30 years. You have a degree in education, a master's of divinity, and a Ph.D. You are the professor emeritus at Ershing Graduate School of Theology, where you were the founding vice president. And I could go on and on about your resume, but above all that, Dr. Littles, Jim, uh, you're my friend. Well, thank you. So I like that more than all the rest of the stuff. No offense to your hard work. A friend is harder work than all of that. Yes. That's true. <laughs> Did I miss anything in that that you want just, to add? Just that he's a good guy. Yep. You, you are a good yeah, yeah. guy. You're starting to sound like Trump. You've only been here for a few minutes. I already sound like <laughs> Trump. So we're glad to have you. Uh, we're talking about um, a prophetic Christmas, essentially. And we wanted to start because, Doug, I know that you field emails all the time. How, have you heard yet this year about... Um, Christmas being a pagan celebration. Yes, I can say more than once I've heard about that. <laughs> yes. So, um, what 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 do you hear? I guess. Well, one of the things they talk about is uh, Christmas trees and uh, what it says in the Bible about having cutting down a tree and having ornaments on a tree and things like that. Uh, we get that one all the time, and then of course you know that it was all set up by the Roman Catholic Church and that it's all pagan and relates to pagan gods and things like that. The timing is the winter solstice and all those things. So that all comes with it. So you, you have a lot of fun talking about those things. And I guess yes. before we really get into that, we should say that we're not mad at anybody for their stance on this. Right. Um, but we do want to be accurate in what we talk about. And so, Jim, um, is Christmas a pagan holiday? It depends on the person who's celebrating. Uh, as with many things, those things which have the most power in worship have the greatest possibility for idolatry. Most power in worship, things which are closer to God, have the greatest power for idolatry. This is why in the Old Testament we see constantly uh, that the prophet had to speak to Israel to stop the idolatry. Many things Israel might be doing wrongly. So, for instance, buying horses from Egypt was against God's command. Don't go to Egypt to buy horses. Don't depend on Egypt. Well, that doesn't get near as much press with the prophets as cut out the idolatry. Because mm -hmm. worship is closer to God than how you select your battle plans. So when we're thinking about the birth of Christ, I think it has the potential of being... Uh, paganized or linked to pagan things. So you mentioned, Doug, you mentioned uh, winter solstice. Mm -hmm. uh, human beings are designed to worship, as we all know. We were hardwired 
to glorify God. And when we choose not to glorify the Creator, as we see in Romans chapter 1, then we start choosing to worship creaturely things above the Creator. So it's not surprising to me that almost all cultures have some kind of winter solstice event. It's because in doing so, they're mapping what's happening in the season. And your audience today, uh, most of them would say, God is the creator and the sustainer of all things. The seasons are in his plan and his design. So I am not at all surprised that there are pagan culture moments which are going to be close to when Christians celebrate different things. So it depends on whether or not I am seeing Christmas as an opportunity to to surrender to the one that came born in the manger so that we could be redeemed, or if I am choosing to uh, worship some kind of uh, cultural uh, materialism uh, or any other way of switching that which should bring glory to God to Christ. Now, of course, we don't know his exact birth date, but... Uh, the short answer is, yeah, it depends. It could be pagan, or it can be the one of the most, sorry, most wonderful times of the year. Oh, there you <laughs> nice. go. Yeah. How about uh, the NFL? Because it sounds like, you know, you're referencing what we're worshiping here. Maybe the NFL could be more pagan than Christmas for some. Uh, indeed, I think that we have the capacity, human beings have the capacity to worship virtually anything. It's amazing to me, the prophet would say that a man goes into the woods, cuts down a tree, a third of it he uses to keep himself warm, a third of it he uses to cook his dinner, and a third of it he bows down and worships. That shows how far we can follow, yet we still need to worship something. Mm -hmm. So in a culture that's willing to pay an athlete $20, $30, $40 million a year, I would say that could very easily uh, be a pagan event if we were investing that much into something to entertain us. When entertainment goes too far, it's pulling us away from our day-to-day realities. Uh, And Christmas, instead of the gifts and the tree and the lights controlling the story, those instead can be ways to remind us we are worship the one who truly brought light uh, into a dark world. And if any time needs light in a dark world, it's got to be right now. You have grandkids, you have children. It's so easy for us to get caught up in Christmas and make it an idol. Um, I think once we slow down and acknowledge that about ourselves, how do we recover from that? Because I I know you've you've, you've walked with a lot of people over the years, and I'm sure you've helped some folks out of this mindset. So how do we go from being so caught up in this being an idol to us to looking at it properly. I think Isaiah chapter 1 helps me out quite a bit when I see the way in which many people were using idol, excuse me, using the sacrificial system, but it had become pagan. Doing that which God had called them to do with the five primary sacrifices and with the three high holy days during the year. They were checking those off and doing those exactly according to plan, but they had become pagan. Mm-hmm. In other words, they were using them for their own purposes and designs as opposed to using it for God's righteousness. So I think the first step of recovery is to make sure that we have some traditions in place which brings glory to God instead of the self. There we have it. We're going to talk more about this on the other side of the break. How is uh, prophecy and Christmas connected? 
Um, what do we do about the business of this time of year? And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about paganism on the other side. We shall see, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dr. Jim Littles. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back to End of the Age. It's our honor to have Dr. Jim Littles here with Doug and I this uh, afternoon on End of the Age. We are talking about whether or not Christmas is a pagan holiday. We'll also get to how prophecy and Christmas are connected and how do we respond as Christians in 2022-2023 to the busyness of this time of year. And so it's good to have you, Dr. Jim Littles, which, by the way, I'm just going to call you Jim from here on out. Please I know do. that's what you prefer, so that's what I'll be doing. Um, you preached a message recently, A Prophetic Christmas, and um, you started by talking about uh, how we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, as promised in Isaiah seven fourteen. So if we could kind of start walking down that and, I don't know, see where the conversation takes us. It's beautiful to see that everything since Genesis 3 has pointed towards this time. Uh, that sermon that you're mentioning draws from Zacharias's song. And Zacharias in that song specifically states that these are the things which he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets since the world began. God has had a plan all along, Vince, and what a delight to know that a, a cornerstone, if you would, the keystone of that is that he would be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. So many people are afraid that God is so holy and so righteous and pure that if I get close to him, 
I would basically incinerate because of his purity. Uh, but it's through his grace that he has drawn near to humanity. Did it first uh, with a voice to Adam and Eve, where are you? Later with uh, Moses and then the children of Israel with a burning bush and then a burning mountain. And finally with the, the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, and now uh, as we think about it at, during this season, he himself coming, as John tells us in John chapter 1, grace and truth came. And the issue there is in the verb. He didn't just send a word, he came. And what a delight to know that he is still in the sending uh, of himself business. Emmanuel still with us yeah. right now. Well, I think about that and I start thinking about how bad I am mm. and how crazy life can be and <coughs> excuse me, how he is holy and great like you mentioned. But man, it starts to get pretty amazing when I start thinking about the God with us part because you know, I don't know your upbringing specifically as much as maybe I know Doug's. I know a little bit from from the messages you've preached and listening to you teach. But um, I know Doug, you and I, we come from. You know, it's kind of wild when we were younger, yeah. And even more wild for you from the stories that we've shared, yeah. In spite of that, God was with us, yeah. And man, that starts to feel pretty amazing, yeah. And um, to me, that's what this time of year is, and. You know, we talked about the paganism stuff before, but when you really get down to it and you think about the fact that this was when God gave us the greatest gift that we could ever get and, uh, you know, that just him coming in the flesh and living here with us and then dying on the cross and giving us the salvation plan. I mean, all those things are what I think about at Christmas. I mean, it's about, you know, sharing that kind of experience with other people, too, and uh, so, you know, just the that side of it and that promise from God, like uh, like Jim said earlier, all the way back in Genesis. I mean, that, that's been God's plan the whole time. And just to look at it and think how amazing that is that God would include me right. in this plan that he's, that he's had since the creation of, of the world. It's just amazing and, and wonderful. And that's what makes it a wonderful time of the year. <laughs> so, and, he's, and he's no more startled by the events in our world today than he was when Rome was in charge mm. when he came that first time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's been in his mind all along from the very foundation of the world. So you and I, uh, we can speak with light and hope into our world, a dark world. And that's why he has us as his disciples that are here. If I may, Vince, you mentioned uh, a little uh, trepidation that you have when you think about being in the presence of such a holy God. We have two choices. We can either, one, split our lives into two parts. I have a part which worships God on Sunday. Hmm. And, and have, Wednesday, if you're that holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the really good people. We'll, we'll, hit, we'll, we'll do Wednesday a couple of months, uh, weeks a month anyway. Uh, and then the rest of the week is just me. So I'm going to make sure I tick off all the right boxes on Sunday, and that's my Jesus box. And then the rest of the week, well, he's not really interested in my business practices. He's not really interested in my... Uh, care for my family or uh, my leisure time. But the beauty of Christmas is realizing that Emmanuel, he is with us all the time. So I encourage us this Christmas season to create some some traditions with your family as ways to celebrate and remind, particularly if you have young children, to set that trajectory to remind them he is with us always. When we get down to Israel, you remember in Deuteronomy, Tell it to your kids when they get up in the morning, when they go to bed at night, when they go out the door, when they come in. And that's what's maintained Jewish identity 
ever since the book of Deuteronomy is that willingness to drill it into their children every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, as disciples of Christ, have an equally wonderful opportunity. So yes, uh, it is a little trepidatious to stand in the presence of a holy God. And that's where His grace opens that door. And we see that so powerfully in the Christmas story. So for our children, we don't make it about getting the latest video game. This is the time of year that Santa comes right. and gives us blessings. Right. It's, we don't make it about that for our children, and that's the way to not get caught. So, you know, some people are going to say, um, well, you know, this is about a Catholic mass is what Christmas is. Um, but what you're saying is it's about Emmanuel, God with us. Right. It's not necessarily about the word Christmas as much as it is about God being with us. Exactly. And finding ways to make that concrete. You see, the beauty of Jesus, and particularly as we see him being born, he didn't send tables of stone as amazing as the tables of stones were. He came himself. Mm -hmm. But even in the Old Testament, whenever God wanted to call Moses, for instance, he says, he didn't say, I'm the omnipresent, I'm the omnipotent, I'm, these are all of my strengths and abilities and this is how to define me. Instead, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is always a relational God. He spoke a world into existence. He formed humanity out, out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into us and became living beings. So it's relational. So Christmas, uh, Emmanuel being born is finding ways to help our children uh, to see his relational call. And of course, we can't teach our children relationship with him unless we are willing to have a relationship with him. And the Christ that came is always going to force something out of the way. Uh, So there was no room in the end. (laughs) He found a place in a barn. When he comes to us, I pray that none of our listeners today put him in the barn that they're able to move some things out of their lives so they can focus on the relationship with him, teaching that to their children and sharing that with brothers and sisters. you think that innkeeper ever regretted that decision? I'm sure his wife never let him forget. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. Um, so on the, the pagan topic, uh, one more thing. I think, I think there's one more thing that maybe we should address is you know, some people will, will talk about um, not calling it Christmas because that's a pagan word. What do you say to those people? Uh, I wonder what they call the first day the first day of the week. We're going to have to stop calling it Sunday, and Monday we're going to have to stop calling that Monday because there are people who worship the moon, and that's why we call it Monday. We're going to have to stop calling the months of the year the way we call them because they're named after Roman gods including July and August, Julius Caesar and Augustus Caesar. If we go down that path, we have to reject every word that has a pagan connection. We're going to have trouble finding it as such. So I call Sunday, Sunday, because I know who created the greater light. Call Monday, Monday, because I know who created the lesser lights. So I'm I'm comfortable using the word Christmas. Uh, If someone else hears a pagan word in it, then it's, I think it's more about their ears (laughs) That is my mouth, uh, because over time, as I mentioned, we're going to have to rename almost everything we do. Because, again, things which can bring God glory have the capacity to be worshipped as idolatry. 
And so instead of me chasing down and chopping everybody else's idols down, I need to make sure that my knees are bowed at the right place and to teach my children to bow at the right place, including deconstructing materialism. Uh, you know, we fast, and many, many of your uh, viewers will fast during the year moments in time. We're going to have to fast the materialism God and uh, teach our children to value some simple things. For my family growing up, uh, our church had a special offering that was connected to the birth of Christ, and it went to help church planters plant churches. So growing up, it was very special to me, and it still is for me today, uh, to give an offering uh, at that time, which was greater than any gift I would receive, dollar-wise, than what mm -hmm. I would receive. Just remembers whose birthday it is. And as Doug was mentioning earlier, the beauty of the coming of Christ is to know that we get to share this gospel with other folk. Right. And it made that even more powerful for me because it was, it was going to mean some man and woman were going to be able to go into a city and mm -hmm. plant a church and yeah. teach Bible studies. So uh, throughout the year now, my wife and I, we don't wait till Christmas to give that offering. We, we work on it all year because we want to give more than what we can give just in one week. So we try to do it all year as a celebration and a reminder. Oh, it's beautiful to be able to share this gospel with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Doug is a grandpa here in this. I'm not a grandpa, so I can't speak to it. <laughs> uh, how do you process that? Because I know as, like when I watch my parents and my in-laws, they really enjoy seeing my kids get gifts. Oh, yeah. And it can easily become about that. How yeah. do you process like this type of, I know you're aware of this and you live your life this way already, but as we talk about it, how do you process that? Well, you know, Vince, I, I think some of the things uh, that Jim was just talking about is probably where we fall short as a society right now and why there's so much darkness right now in the world is mm -hmm. because we do fall short of doing this every day. Like you were saying, when our children come up and when you lay them down at night, you tell them about God. And so, I, you know, I enjoy watching my grandkids open gifts, absolutely, I, because it brings me joy to see joy you know, in their face at any time when we do that. But I, I do think that this is an opportunity for grandparents and parents to express the importance of what it's really about. And that's what we try to do. With this holiday, with Easter, we always reiterate to our children when we're taking them to church, when we're talking about the Lord, we tell them this is really what this holiday is. Yes, we give presents and gifts, but the reason why is because God gave us the greatest gift and this is it. And so it gives you an opportunity to do that. And if we as a people, I think, uh, a, a Christian people, that um, if we would really begin to train our child up the way the Bible tells us to and to mm -hmm. teach them the importance of God in our life and that relationship with our Lord, I think that that would, uh, you know, it would help this country and this world uh, be less dark. Well, you know what I get cranked up about, and he started to crank me up. There <laughs> I know, about I saw family. You. I saw <laughs> yeah, that, I'm itching that vein popped out a little bit. Before <laughs> Does it? <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm bald, so that's more noticeable, <laughs> I guess. But uh, Jim, you're talking about families and parents, and you know, I, you and I both, maybe you as well, worked did youth ministry for years. So I heard a lot about how the youth leaders weren't doing everything to minister to my baby you know mm -hmm. my kid is being neglected because of you and I'm like actually it's because of you but <laughs> I can't say that right now because you can't receive it but um you know I I 
I don't like to blame things on the Sunday school teacher for my kids. I don't like to blame things on the youth leaders. I don't like to blame things on the church. I want to go, man, Vince, um, you need to do your job better when it comes to your children and how your home functions and what's being talked about and then how we live it out. And so when you start talking about how families are directing this, well, it's hard for me to blame it on the Pope all of a sudden or the Catholic Church or some other organization. And so... I get really worked up about that because yeah. <laughs> for me, bringing it back under the rubric of discipleship. Yeah. Uh, when, uh, with a degree in family studies, I've given presentations to congregations on parenting and uh, blended families, all those kinds of things. I have to remind parents that the root word of discipline isn't whip, whoop, have or has whooping, uh, <laughs> but the root word of discipline is to make a disciple. So the question is, are we trying to make them in our image or in his image? Mm. If it's in my image, then the name Or Littles, the image that I missed out on when I was a kid. <laughs> living vicariously through yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the goal is to have them represent littles strongly to the world, uh, then it will be a fail in the Christmas story. You're convicting me, I'll just tell you. But if, it's, if I'm raising my children and now my grandchildren the best I can, I have less control now in those cases, obviously. Uh, but to be able to, to, my goal is making, helping them be formed in the image of Christ, not in the image of Jim. I had to look at the clock and think, do we, and I, I'm talking to myself, do we have enough time? We don't, but I'm going to ask you anyway, and we might have to pick this up after the break. So one thing that I always say to my kids when they do things that they shouldn't do is I say, you know, I'll be talking to Brady perhaps, and I'll say, Brady, uh, Stegalls don't behave that way. And one time he was acting up, and I said, Brady, don't do that. And, and, and he said, why? Because Stegalls don't do that. And that made me happy. Mm-hmm. And I've been happy about that for years until you just started talking. <laughs> and I'm going, should I be telling him Stegalls? So I need some counseling here. Let me lay back on this couch. <laughs> get your notebook out and your special pen. Um, as, as a parent, obviously, there's going to be people who I go to church with. There's the music. Don't let me forget this. There's going to be people I go to church with that behave differently than, than Stegalls do typically. So we need to talk about that because they're walking with the Lord perhaps like I am or similar to how I am. And so I, I need some advice that you didn't come here to give. So we'll get into that after the break. You're going to find a little bit more about how I parent. And maybe uh, we'll talk about some other things as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Whether it's a global pandemic threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation... 
The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. Per usual, we have a special guest with us, Jim Littles. It is an honor to have him as well. We are talking about whether or not Christmas is a pagan holiday with a lot of other things along the way. And we left off with uh, me getting some parenting advice. And so we'll continue there because I really need it. And it's free for right now. So uh, welcome back. Uh, What I was talking about before was how I tell my kids when they don't behave like I want them to that Stegalls don't behave that way. And you were convicting me as you were talking prior to that saying that are we trying to make kids in our image or in uh, Christ's image? And so what do you advise someone like me? Because there are, you know, if I tell them, disciples of Jesus don't act like that. That's not true. You and I, we all three know disciples of Jesus who don't behave properly. One disciple of Jesus betrayed him. Indeed. And another disciple of Jesus denied him. Yes. So I think the I think the way we can phrase that is because Jesus does invites his disciples to be different than that. So we're not saying every disciple measures up to that. Uh, so, for instance, the fruit of the Spirit that we see in the book of Galatians, all of us as disciples probably have some of those fruit which are a little more evident in our life than what others are. We're not comparing ourselves, well, I got more long-suffering than, than Doug does, so I'm doing all right there. No, we're seeing the way in which God is calling all of us to become more like him, to steal the title from my book again. There you Cheap go. plug, yes. yes. Uh he's coming. In, He's inviting us to walk as disciples. So instead of saying Jesus' disciples don't do that, he's inviting his disciples to be more like him, to be better than that. And we can can do that because he has opened the door. That's what Christmas is about. Where does someone go to buy your book? Uh, If you want a digital version, it's available on Amazon as a Kindle version. Is that paganism to go through Amazon? (laughs) <laughs> or Pentecostal Publishing House is another option for the publisher. All right. <laughs> Hard copy or digital from them as well. You need to go do that. It's a great book. The workbook is awesome as well, so make sure, you're doing, make sure you go get that book. Um, so you don't like me saying Steagalls don't act like that? The, it dawned I really on, would like a yes or it no. Dawned, <laughs> <laughs> it dawned on me one day... I. Um, my first three children, I have three daughters and a son. My oldest three are daughters. My oldest daughter, uh, it dawned on me one day, I was trying to push her into a mold that I wanted her to be. This is when she was, say, 18, 19 years old. I was prepared, wanting her to go to college and exceed and get into graduate school and recognizing that's not what God was calling her to do. So I had to back off and realize 
first child, high expectations, achiever. Uh, I'm first child, by the way, just full disclosure. Uh, but I had to realize, you know, as long as my daughter, Jennifer, is walking faithfully with the one who called her, I am overjoyed with that. Mm -hmm. And so although she isn't a littles in the sense of three graduate degrees and, 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 she is far more than what I could ever anticipate being in my name, that is she's living out what her father has called her to be and to do. That was way worse than a yes or no answer. I'll just tell you that. Really. <laughs> that made you feel Pricks. Like... <laughs> Good night. Made you feel any worse, didn't This it? is supposed to be about prophecy. <laughs> Doug, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, not on that topic. You don't want to throw me under the bus? <laughs> no, no, no. All You're right. doing a fine job. Right. <laughs> so uh, in your message, you, you speak from Luke 1, 68 through 80, and, and we won't take the time to read that, but I would suggest everyone do. Uh, could you kind of give us a quick overview of that, and then we can get into... Zachariah's prophecy, backstory, and so forth. Yeah, this, uh, the narrative here is the transition of this coming Christ. There, ha- there are some major things that are happening. Anytime God does a new thing, we'll see two things in place. We'll see a genealogy in place, telling the story of God's faithfulness to the past, because since the prophet spoke from the beginning of time, he has been setting the stage for the culmination when all things are restored. So there's going to be a genealogy. So the first seven chapters of First Chronicles, for instance, uh, to be honest, we all glaze over when we're reading through those chapters in our annual reading plan. Uh, but those genealogies are vital. God's been faithful. People not always faithful, but God is always faithful. So a new thing, God will always bring a genealogy into place. But then there will be a prophecy of what's coming next. So with Zacharias, there is this intervention Telling of a story, there's a barrenness, just like there was with Abraham and a couple of generations following Abraham, a a threat to God's promises. Uh, So there's the genealogy that we see. We see it in Matthew and Luke both. And then there's some prophecies pointing towards God bringing to pass that which he has always had in mind. Okay, so then in Zechariah, when we start talking about, um, you know, your points in that message with, childless and I'm, I'm trying to read your writing here um, uh, childless with Elizabeth and offering incense and the visit from the angelic message yeah the the childlessness thinking of it in the Hebraic world is to be childless is carrying a stigma of a curse because the promise to Abraham of course in Genesis chapter 12 was going to have a child, going to have a land relationship with him, and through him all families of the earth will be blessed. So anytime you have a barren woman, we see this with Hannah in 1 Samuel, anytime you have a barren woman, we have a stigma of a curse. So for me to, to step into Luke chapter 1, here's a priest. Scripture says that he and his wife are righteous before God their whole life. So we know that they had not failed. All the world around them is failing in so many ways. But like Simeon and uh, Hannah, excuse me, Anna, which are outside in the temple, Zacharias has been faithful all this time. Uh, and as he's standing there offering incense, this is the place where you have this special offering in front of this, this brocade uh, tapestry, golden threads and silver threads, telling the story of God's presence. He is standing there offering incense on behalf of the people Meanwhile, his heart is held together with spiritual duct tape. Mm. I've lived my whole life. Where is God? 
we have been faithful. When I see others cheating on Torah, when I see others acting like they're righteous in public, but in private they're somebody else. My sweet Elizabeth and I, we've been faithful all these years. I will worship even though my heart is broken. And it's in, in that moment of incense. I, I think God strategically does things at times. So, for instance, in the book of Luke, where we see that uh, Thomas is absent when Jesus shows up with the eleven, God waited for Thomas to be gone and for a teaching point. I think Zacharias is caught in a moment of worship for a man whose heart is broken because he has no child, that the angel comes. And, of course, this angelic intervention First words out of his mouth are peace, don't be afraid. Anytime God shows up, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the, the uh, challenge of being in the presence of an almighty God, you better hear the word, don't be afraid. Because if you think you can handle an, an angelic encounter <laughs> yeah. without a little bit of fear, you've got a too high of opinion of yourself <laughs> or a too low of opinion of God. So this intervention uh, there just literally silences him. He's been faithful all of his days. He's been faithful to the word of God. But now when God gives him a specific word, he doesn't know if he can trust it. I've been faithful for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, but I don't know if I can trust God at this point. So this is what I would encourage your listeners to do this Christmas, is to hear God's word afresh. You have trusted him before. The question is, are you going to trust him now? We've never been in 2022 Christmas before. We've never been in a world with these kinds of challenges and we're wondering, should we send our kids to public school or not? We're wondering if we have to uh, uh, unplug our whole house and never let anyone see anything on the internet anymore because we don't know if there's any safe spaces or not. It's into a world like this where we really need to hear the Christmas story again. And Zacharias had walked by faith, but when the story came, he didn't have enough strength to trust one more time and was silent for 10 months because of that. We're talking a lot more about we're talking more we're talking about more than just a pregnancy here. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you know, I'm thinking about first of all, I have friends who want to have children and they have never been able to and I know that's so hard for them and I feel for them and you know, right. we've had three children and it's hard to you know, it's hard to kind of talk about our kids because I don't want to, you know, I don't know how to navigate it that well. So I'm just trying to do it. But so I know that's hard. But at the same time, will I trust Jesus one more time or yet again? Right. Here at End Time, you know, our team, we've suffered a number of losses this right. year. It seems like, right. you know, almost everyone has been connected to someone closely. I mean, we've we've been in prayer for Doug. He He lost his father this year and his uncle and um, and so, you know, and a number of other team members, it seems like everyone has lost someone this year. Right. Right. So, no, we have not faced Christmas 2022 yet. Right. We don't know what that's going to be like when we wake up on that day. Right. But what you're saying here is not just about not being able to have children because this principle is applicable right. to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We can't, we cannot expect this Christmas, like any Christmas before, that God's fullness is going to be complete on Christmas Day. If so, then it's like it's like thinking you can buy the perfect gift for your spouse and your grandkids or your mom or your dad. Uh, it's not going to happen. Christmas Day is not going to open up with now all of a sudden everything's going to be perfect. This is where the prophecy part comes in. Right. 
hearing that Christ came points me forward with an anticipation of good things, not of, oh no, what's Congress going to do next? Is the Supreme Court going to make the right choice on the Colorado case that's there before them? All those kinds of decisions, I'm not going to be motivated or my emotions aren't going to be controlled by that. I'm going to be controlled by the prophecy. Genealogy, God's been good before, and prophecy. He's going to do it in a dimension he's never done it in the past. And I think that's what end time is able to speak to the world is God has never failed before. And in front of us, there's a greater thing that God wants to do than he's ever done in the past. So will you this Christmas, will you trust the God of genealogies and the God of the end when all is made right? Will you trust him in your reality of today? You know, one of the questions I have for you is, you know, Zachariah's problem there with what happened at that moment with the disbelief and, and his speech was taken away from him and everything. Do you think it's because he grew up knowing of this prophesied coming of the Messiah and, and when it really was engulfed around him, he was looking around and going, it's been so long, yeah. how can it be happening now? Because we have people that listen to our daily program and they'll say, we've heard this stuff for years and years and when is this going to happen? Is it easy to lose faith because we're waiting for that promise to come? Is that what he was dealing with a little bit there? I, I believe that that was the case for all of Israel because they had been promised there's going to be one of David's family set on this throne. Mm-hmm. That's been the promise, the the salt covenant with David. You will always have someone sitting, where, where are you, God? Right. You've abandoned us. You yeah. have left us. And so I'm sure that that's there. So it's both individual and it's corporate, which is a great point for discipleship as well, realizing that we grow individually as disciples and our families as disciples and in our faith community as disciples. And for Israel, they were at a crisis point. This is why when you see the various, let's pick as 12 disciples, Uh, each of them coming from different perspectives where Jesus called them and their various crises along the way towards the Messiah coming. Go pick up Dr. Jim Little's book at Amazon or Pentecostal Publishing House. It's called More Like Him. You can search that or his name, Dr. Jim Little's. We'll be right back to talk about the promise of a prophecy and more. Don't go anywhere. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to End of the Age. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell and Jim Littles. It's an honor to have him with us today. We're talking about if Christmas is a pagan holiday or not. 
and we've talked about a whole lot more. If you need, if you're just now joining on the live stream or listening on the radio, be sure to check the archive. Um, we have gotten parenting advice and grandparenting advice, and a whole lot more. So, be sure to do that. Also, you can pick up his book, More Like Him, at Amazon. Uh, you can search his name, Jim Littles, Doctor Jim Littles, or his book title, More Like Him. You can also get a physical copy at the Pentecostal Publishing House. Uh, if you search that in your search engine, it will come. It'll be one of the first results there. So be sure to check that out. Also, don't forget to go to endtime.com/deals. We have a number of uh, deals available through the end of the year. You can get five months free of End of the Age Plus. You can get a discount on Jerusalem Prophecy College enrollment. Um, you can get a number of other deals, uh, deeply discounted prices right now through the end of the year. So be sure to go to endtime.com slash deals to check that out. All right. So, Doug, we need like some brief overview of what in the world we've talked about so far. Because we're coming up to the end, believe it or not. Yeah. And we've talked about paganism, like I said, parenting and grandparenting. Um, what have been some key points, I guess, that maybe stuck out to you that... Maybe. Well, I mean, for sure, talking about um, just how we need to parent our children, and uh, that's one of them. The other one was, you know, we we got to self-check our, our own spirit and how we're celebrating this holiday and what it really is about. Because, you know, you mentioned earlier the busyness of Christmas, and we can get caught up in all that and, and forget completely about what the holiday is is really supposed to be about. And so uh, those things, of course, are key to me. And then I really enjoy the prophetic side of it because of the fact that uh, they were living in a time very much like the time we're living in. We're looking for the second coming. They were looking for the Messiah to come. And to me, that gets me excited. And and having that promise, uh, you know, is something that we look forward to. We know Jesus has come. We know that the Messiah has come in the world, brought the light into the world. And now we are followers of Christ waiting for his return. And, uh, you know, I can just kind of see the excitement, you know, that was building around this whole story that, you know. Uh, and, and so it's just one of those things that I feel like the, the magic of what's happening uh, at that time, we can think about what's going on right now. And it seems very dark. It seemed dark to them at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to us, it seems that way. And people ask all the time, well, you know, looking at where the world is right now, how can we, you know, look? for the joy of Jesus coming when we're under, you know, persecution and things are happening in the world that scare us to death and all those things. People they, get mad at us for laughing from, from time to time on the show. Yeah, because we look at it in a, in a different way than they do. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that I can connect with with the story is because I know uh, I would be scared to death if an angel visited me personally and started telling me, hey, you're going to be part of what's coming. And, and so... Anyway, that's that's the part that I really love about it. We got some time here. Uh, let's talk about what those days did look like. We've talked about um, you know Elizabeth, and but we haven't. And I don't think this was part of your outline to talk really about um, Joseph and Mary. But in that day, um, and the outline I'm referencing is from the message that you preach. Not we're just kind of having a conversation here that is unscripted essentially, um, and so. Um, in that day, though, we're looking at Joseph and Mary who are not married, and she's pregnant, which is extremely shameful in that day. Right. It's a lot less shameful today. 
It's almost celebrated today. Exactly. Yeah. And then you, I mean, what were, how did they look at someone who got pregnant that was not married? Uh, it's, it's beyond the pale. Uh, it's because now she has no place to go. She doesn't have a husband who will take care and provide for her. She doesn't have a son that's old enough to provide for her. So she and, can't go do can't something go herself. Can't do something herself. So uh, the woman from Samaria, for instance, we see a snapshot there of a woman who has been married five times. The one she's with now uh, isn't her husband. Many people automatically question whether she is a woman of the night kind of thing. It could be that she has no other option. Uh, she had been divorced, meaning probably not of her choosing, but somebody wanting a trophy wife, to use her language today, or someone was displeased uh, with her, and she can't go back home. Her options are maybe two, to become a woman of the night or to be kept by one person. Uh, so could be women were property then. They had very little control of their own life. And remember for a moment, too, that roughly 96% of the population would have been living on the edge of starvation. Uh, we're, we're talking day to day. So when Jesus tells a story of going out and getting day laborers in the morning, and well, how come, a day labor, how come somebody's still there with one hour of daylight left? Because I haven't worked a day. I, if, even if I got a tenth of a day's wages, maybe my babies could eat. Uh, even if it's just one or two spoonfuls, they could get something to eat. So 96% of the population is living on the edge of starvation. Just literally barely making it through the moment. So your only hope might be in some way, can, can I live according to Torah so that when Messiah comes, it could happen. And now she has to carry the stigma of this, and that's why I think her words are so powerful. Be it unto me, mm-hmm. according to your word. And I'm wondering if this year, as disciples, we can say, Lord, whatever you want to do in and through us, I surrender to your purposes and your design. It starts by saying it today. Today. Yeah. Got to be now. now. On my way home, I need to right. do that. We're in Dallas traffic, Doug. Yeah. You've got worse <laughs> than me in that, too. Um, what else? And that decision for Mary isn't a one time, and I'll be through with it, you know, carrying a child. I walked with a lady who carried four of our kids. Uh, so this is not just a nine month deal. This is a whole life choice. Mm-hmm. And when we say yes to Christ, we are saying we are signing away the rest of our life. And we are trusting him. That's what faith is. I'm trusting him with the rest of my life. I'm saying yes. Mary said yes. She had no clue what she was going to come her way. When we say yes to the Christ child this Christmas in a fresh way. I've, I've walked with the Lord my whole life. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, received the Holy Spirit when I was uh, almost six years old. So it's been, been a long journey. However, this year I need to remember again. I still I stick with my previous yes, <laughs> but I'm also saying, Lord, I don't know how many days you have in front of me. I say yes again. And uh, you don't always know what you're going to say yes to. And I don't know what I'm saying <laughs> yes to. And that's part of prophecy. Yeah. Prophecy, we, we see some glimpses of it, but he never tells us the full story. Right. We, we say yes to the glimpse I get, and I say, Lord, I will trust you with all, right. all that I don't know. And that's why sometimes we can laugh about things because we trust God and know 
you know, what his promises are to us. And, you know, you were saying earlier that people get upset with us when we're talking about prophecy and we may smirk or make a joke about something. But we're looking at it through a different lens because we are saying, yes, Lord, what what's next? We're here. We're going to do what you call us to do. Uh, you know, that's part of that whole thing that I was talking about before with just knowing that we have a part of God's plan and being called Astounding. and chosen. I mean, that whole thing, it, it does. It just, it humbles you and it just, sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, okay, Lord, I don't know where we're going, but I'm with you. And so here we go. And you just take that next step. And it's just a, a step at a time, living yeah. it day by day. But you have to draw that line in the sand and say, okay, Lord, from here on, it's me and you. I'm doing whatever you want me to do. So... And that word of prophecy that calls us always challenges us. Mm-hmm. Zacharias's life would be different from this day forward. Mary's life would be different. Joseph's life would be different. A prophetic voice from God today, the closing of 2022, is going to challenge every single one of us. Because there are fears, imaginations that we have. There are dreams and hopes, some of which may be shattered, some of which were shattered this year. But if we're willing to hear that voice of be not afraid, I'm with you. And I am restoring all things according to my purpose and my design. That prophetic call will always challenge something inside of us. So I encourage, I want to, and I want all of our listeners today to say, Lord, whatever, whatever you choose to do in me, I will hear that prophetic voice. And I will, I'll be transformed by your word. Big commitment, and we all definitely need to make it um, every single day, multiple times a day for me. Um, we talk a lot about Mary. We don't talk as much about Joseph, nearly enough. But I look at Joseph. Now, for me, I had my father is a strong man, a good man. I had a stepdad almost my whole life. I have a stepdad, and, I've, and he's been my stepdad almost my whole life. He's a strong man, a good man. My grandfather... Irvin Baxter was, it was a good man as well. And they all were awesome. And they had fall, flaws, of course, but they were great men. Mm-hmm. And um, I look at Joseph and go, wow, that is a great man. Like, I don't know how I would have reacted right. if my wife, when she was my fiance, came to me and said, I'm pregnant, but hear me out. <laughs> I've been like, right. I don't know that I can. <laughs> So I look at him and how he cared for her, and I go, wow, that is a great man. And we don't talk about him near enough. There's not a lot about him, of course. So that's another part of the story that I think is important to highlight in this, that we've talked about parenting, and here we are again, uh, similarly talking about how Joseph stepped up, how Mary stepped up. And so do you have any thoughts about Joseph's role in all this? Well, uh, in our culture, so much coming out of the 60s, 70s, and 80s with valuing the role of women afresh after, in our culture, women being treated as second-class citizens, we forgot the role of fathering. So it's not been but the last 15 to 20 years that even the academic world would even ask the question. It wasn't even politically correct to ask, is, is fathering important? And I think your question brings that up again, that fathering was important for Joseph, uh, and the immediate decision, he was going to put her away privately. In other words, I don't want to shame her. Mm -hmm. To me, that speaks to him right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I've got to make a tough choice, but as I make this choice, I'm not going to let anybody be shamed. 
And then the other piece of that is his willingness to be a refugee dad. Hmm. Uh, when we talk about an uncertain world, the Christmas narrative lets us know that sometimes following the words of the angel calls us to be refugees. And as we know, we are pilgrims. We are refugees in this world. And Joseph was a refugee dad. He takes uh, his stepson, if you will, and his wife and marches, seems like, all the way to Egypt. He's a refugee. He's an exile. And then he has to make the journey back again. Uh, so as we hear the angelic call, the prophetic call to live out Christmas story this year, part of that is a, a signing on. And remember, we signed on as refugees. The world is not our home. This is not where our answer rests. Our answer rests in his completion, his prophetic promise. Just as he promised to come the first time, he's promised he's coming again. Right. And he's going to restore all things. Heaven and earth is going to be brand new <laughs> in a dimension that it wasn't before. And I trust him. Yeah. Amen. Santa Claus can't fit down my chimney. <laughs> right. But my Jesus is making this world all over again. Yeah, all over again. And if I'm not careful when I'm listening to the media, it becomes more probable that Santa could fit down my chimney that God could make the world all over again. Right. That's absolutely This Christmas, right. the Christ came, and he's making all things afresh. Mm-hmm. And now in, at 61, I have to be willing to say, Lord... I'll see you again this Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I will worship with the shepherds, poor boys from the field, worship as the wise man, and I'll worship as a refugee dad. Doug, we might have to have him on a little more often. Yeah, it sounds like it. (laughs) All right, well, thank you for joining us today on End of the Age. Don't forget to go to endtime.com slash deals and watch.endtime.com. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central Time. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.